How Far Is The River by Ruskin Bond Between the boy and the river was a mountain. I was a small boy and it was a small river, but the mountain was big. The thickly forested mountain hid the river, but I knew it was there and what it looked like. I had never seen the river with my own eyes, but from the villagers I had heard of it of the fish in its waters, of its rocks and currents and waterfalls. And it only remained for me to touch the water and know it personally. I stood in front of our house on the hill opposite the mountain and gazed across the valley, dreaming of the river. I was barefooted, not because I couldn't afford shoes, but because I felt free with my feet bare because I liked the feel of warm stones and cool grass, because not wearing shoes saved me the trouble of taking them off. It was 11 o'clock and I knew my parents wouldn't be home till evening. There was a loaf of bread I could take with me and on the way I might find some fruit. Here was the chance I had been waiting for. It would not come again for a long time because it was seldom that my father and mother visited friends for the entire day. If I came back before dark, they wouldn't know where I had been. I went into the house and wrapped the loaf of bread in a newspaper. Then I closed all the doors and the windows. The path to the river dropped steeply into the valley, then rose and went round the big mountain. It was frequently used by the villagers, woodcutters, milkmen, shepherds, mule drivers. But there were no villages beyond the mountain or near the river. I passed a woodcutter and asked him how far it was to the river. He was a short, powerful man with a creased and weathered face and muscles that stood out in hard lumps. Seven miles, he said. Why do you want to know? I'm going there, I said. Alone? Of course. It'll take you three hours to reach it, and then you have to come back. It'll be getting dark, and it is not an easy road. But I'm a good walker, I said, though I had never walked farther than the two miles between our house and my school. I left the woodcutter on the path and continued down the hill. It was a dizzy, winding path. And I slipped once or twice and slid into a bush or down a slope of slippery pine needles. The hill was covered with lush green ferns. The trees were entangled in creepers and a great wild dahlia would suddenly rear its golden head from the leaves and ferns. Soon I was in the valley and the path straightened out and then began to rise. I met a girl who was coming from the opposite direction. She held a long curved knife with which she had been cutting grass. And there were rings in her nose and ears and her arms were covered with heavy bangles. The bangles made music when she moved her wrists. It was as though her hands spoke a language of their own. How far is it to the river? I asked. The girl had probably never been to the river or she may have been thinking of another one because she said 20 miles 
without any hesitation. I laughed and ran down the path. A parrot screeched suddenly, flew low over my head, a flash of blue and green. It took the course of the path and I followed its dipping flight, running until the path rose and the bird disappeared amongst the trees. A trickle of water came down the hillside and I stopped to drink. The water was cold and sharp but very refreshing. But I was soon thirsty again. The sun was striking the side of the hill and the dusty path became hotter, the stones scorching my feet. I was sure I had covered half the distance. I had been walking for over an hour. Presently, I saw another boy ahead of me driving a few goats down the path. How far is the river? I asked. The village boy smiled and said, Oh, not far, just round the next hill and straight down. Feeling hungry, I unwrapped my loaf of bread and broke it in two, offering one half to the boy. We sat on the hillside and ate in silence. When we had finished, we walked on together and began talking. And talking, I did not notice the smarting of my feet and the heat of the sun, the distance I had covered and the distance I had yet to cover. But after some time, my companion had to take another path. And once more, I was on my own. I missed the village boy. I looked up and down the mountain path, but no one else was in sight. My own home was hidden from view by the side of the mountain, and there was no sign of the river. I began to feel discouraged. If someone had been with me, I would not have faltered. But alone, I was conscious of my fatigue and isolation. But I had come more than halfway, and I couldn't turn back. I had to see the river. If I failed, I would always be a little ashamed of the experience. So I walked on, along the hot, dusty, stony path past stone huts and terraced fields until there were no more fields or huts, only forest and sun and loneliness. There were no men and no sign of man's influence, only trees and rocks and grass and small flowers, and silence. The silence was impressive and a little frightening. There was no movement except for the bending of grass beneath my feet and the circling of a hawk against the blind blue of the sky. Then, as I rounded a sharp bend, I heard the sound of water. I gasped with surprise and happiness and began to run. I slipped and stumbled, but I kept on running until I was able to plunge into the snow-cold mountain water. And the water was blue and white, and wonderful. The end.